Well, good morning. Um, we're uh, going to continue our journey through verse 1 of Romans chapter 1. <laughs> a month in. Over a month in, right? We're like a month and a half in. Uh, this will conclude verse 1 today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like moving. Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, and, and if you're new um, or just visiting, I, I want to let you know that we're in this quote-unquote series is a journey to be with Jesus and discover how do we live in the tensions around us? How as Christians, how as the church, do we actually be the church and help the world see how to navigate all the things around us? And the only way we can do that is with Jesus. It's not us that navigates, it's Jesus that leads us through it. And the only way you can do that is if you're with him. Yes? And so uh, it's so important. I mean, when you look at the political stuff, you look at the social stuff, the racial stuff, all of that out there, how do we navigate all of those challenges, all of those things? Because for some reason, just addressing issues doesn't, doesn't help anything in the long term. But if we bring Jesus into the equation because we're so uh, infatuated with him and what he wants to do and say, people will see something that will bring glory to him and change the atmosphere. Because we see Jesus does that when, in his time on earth, and, and he does that now. When Jesus was in the room, stuff happened. Yes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's still in the room right now. He's in the room. And stuff is happening. Matt said it really well. Whoa, the Spirit's up to something. Yeah. He is. He's always doing something. We get to partner with him in that, and that's how we navigate. And so Romans is just a vehicle that covers a lot of the theology that is the Christian church we hold close and dear to our hearts, uh, but we're praying that God will breathe new life into it because, let's be honest, left, left to ourselves, we'll take that stuff and it'll go wonky. Yes? <laughs> I mean, you have all these different churches that have split over time and are always at war with each other over certain things. It's like, Jesus, we need to put him back on the throne. But then we go, oh, wait a minute, he's always been on the throne. We just need to be where he is in the throne, in the throne room. And so that's what we're hoping this journey will do is help us see the simplicity of the gospel. Okay. So the process of the good news this is the third week we're talking about the good news I was going to move on to holiness today, but then I thought, no, there's more before we go into holiness because holiness is about being where Jesus is. You don't get holy without Jesus. Amen? <laughs> so if we don't understand, at least here, and allow God to work it into our hearts about being with Jesus is the only place that matters, then holiness is, it doesn't mean anything yet because we don't worship the one or not with the one that's holy. <laughs> so it'll be only our version of holiness, but we'll get there. So... Mark did a fabulous job last week at bringing the heart and the meat of the good news beyond the decision to believe in Jesus. Oftentimes, when we accept Christ as our Savior, something's happened, correct? There's something like, whoa, there's a contrast or something that's happened where we, we experience God, we experience Him either here or here. I mean, we all have different experiences with Him that get our attention. We go, I want to be with this guy. And then for some of us, it's, it, it, it starts really well. 
You're like, whoa, I'm on fire. Let's tell everyone about this guy. And then life begins to test what you know. And then you're kind of going, oh, this is not what I, it's not the same experience. It's not what I signed up for. And Mark talked about so beautifully last week is how, what, what happens when the good news kind of doesn't become good news anymore? <laughs> because, because the good news can be summed up into this, being with Jesus, he's with us. The process of salvation is to remove death from the table. Why? So we can be with him. Not so you can live in eternity and eat good food and be on the banks of some golden river, you know, and say, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> Will that happen? Maybe, I don't know. The Bible has very vivid imagery of some of that stuff, and that's great, but it's meaningless without Jesus. That stuff doesn't carry the value and the weight without Jesus. So we want to be Jesus people all day long. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I've got good friends that are pastors in, in this, and I've shared this before, but I had more conversation with these people this, this past week, and it just breaks my heart. I go, how's your call going? It's really hard. Why? They don't want me talking about Jesus that much. They want me to talk about love. Duh. <laughs> you see the quandary. We want love, but we don't want Jesus. What? He is love. He is the embodiment. So, just because you walk into a church doesn't mean that church is going to be about being with Jesus. So we want to be about that more than anything. Because it honors him when we're with him. It glorifies him. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. So Mark shared a vulnerable story last week about his dad and how the good news hit him like a ton of bricks. He was all, now this is my version of the tale, so you know he'll tell it more accurately, but... Come on, we need a little panaz. I'm just kidding. He told it beautifully. But, you know, it was all roses when he met Jesus. Like, yeah, I was lost, now I'm found. It was good. And then he's taking a walk on the beach and Jesus ambushed him. It said, I want you to forgive your dad. Now the good news starts to get hard. And so God will lead us into these places and when they're hard, sometimes we can jump ship, can we not? And today we're going to focus on what happens when we want to jump ship. Because what we do is we go back to a gospel that was easier. That's what we do. We go back to one that doesn't press, doesn't push, it doesn't call us to go into these places. I know where I stand. I do this, I don't do that. If I do this, I get this. Talking to God is more about, Lord, help me, and Lord, I need this. And I'll come in and I'll sing a song about him. I'll feel good, and I'm, I might feel his presence, and I'll be great. And now I'm going to go about sitting in this clean gospel. And what we saw in Mark's story was it got messy for him. He didn't want to go there. He didn't want to go where Jesus was going here, but he did. And when he did, there was redemption. It's a beautiful story. And if you didn't get to hear it, go online and check it out. It's just, it's great. Phenomenal. And thank you for sharing that. Because when anyone shares their gift of how God has ambushed them or has impacted their life, please understand so that we can better be recipients of that. It's a gift to you. Sometimes we go, oh my gosh, that person won't stop talking. And then we miss the gift. 
But it's there. And all the noise, there's a gift that's happening. And they're sharing. They're giving you a piece. They're allowing themselves to be known. And that's what's hard about the gospel. Because we have to realize we are fully known. And then we have to step into someone that's made himself fully known and discover what it means to live in a realm, in an area, and in a relationship that's unseen. Because we come at it with, with natural eyes. So we make our decisions based off what we see. And the Lord says, he speaks about, how, you don't even speak about what are, I mean, you don't understand what are plain things. How are you going to understand the unseen things? Because that's, man, that's where I live and breathe. The only way we do that is being where? With Jesus. Raise your hand if you're a parent or you babysit kids or you watch kids or your aunt and uncle. Okay, okay. When you're watching those kids try to problem solve, <laughs> and it can be very humorous, can it not? Oh, let's just watch and see how they're going to do this. And I'll watch my son Emmett try to get to the cookie jar. And he does it in the most dangerous, weird way. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, I don't care. My head is, you know, bulletproof. Look at this gelatin body. I'll absorb the fall. He's a big kid. And he, so he's got this thing, and you're like, I, I'm watching. I, you know, I want to let him learn. I don't want him to get hurt. So I watch. I'm like, don't do it. Oh, don't do that. Please, God, intervene. Intervene! Do something! Oh, he did it. Who's been there? Or you're watching a movie, a mystery movie, and you know, don't go in that house. Don't do it. Please, God, tell me they're not going to do it. Well, the script's already been written. Right? You know they're going in the house. You're like, oh, they did it. Why didn't they listen to me, the viewer? That has nothing to do with what's going on. We have a great ability of being offended and being so sensitive to being let down that we can walk away from truth that's right in front of us. And we go back to what we know. We hit our default. And I feel like sometimes God's like, don't do it. Don't do it. At my feet, don't do it. Oh, they did it. They did it. I was struggling with this passage, or not the passage, the message today, because I felt that there was something more the Lord wanted to say about the gospel, about the good news. And one of the things I hold tightly to is that God is doing a work here at Bridgewood. I believe that. And I believe with all my heart, or else I wouldn't be here, that he has given us really the, kings, the, the keys to the kingdom by making the message simple, by saying, be with me as I'm with you. And that is enough because everything that you think you want, everything you think you need to do will come out of that place of being. Without that place of being, there is nothing. What happens when that, and I believe that to be truth. And here's where I struggle is when people, let, I'll hurt their feelings or I'll say something that offends them or someone else that carries that truth of being with Jesus. And we go, yes, that's truth. And they let you down with that truth. And you go, I'm going to go back to the other gospel I knew. 
That happens, by the way. Breaks my heart. Truth is truth, is it not? Are we all broken vessels that God makes whole? Yes. Will we disappoint each other? Yes. I've been disappointed, and I've disappointed others. It stinks. It's a vicious circle. I don't like it. I wish it didn't happen. It does happen. But we have to cling to the truth because let me tell you what, if we do not live with Jesus, you are never going to navigate this world in a way that glorifies him according to the way he's to be glorified. It will not happen the way we want it to happen. And in, in, in what we see in scripture, God moving like a fire, like a flood through this place, changing lives. We have to be with him. We can't run away from the first sign of danger or betrayal because our lives are not our own. If you're sitting in one of these chairs and you said, Lord, I give my life to you, is it yours? No, there are no givebacks. This isn't second grade. Oh, I'm going to take it back now. I don't like how you're playing with that toy. No, but we do that, don't we? I do that too. I go, yeah, Lord, um, I really don't like that person. They're actually kind of annoying. So I'm going to say no. What? I'm going to miss the blessing. Do I want to go there? Well, of course I don't. But that's where he's leading me. And he's not like leading me into an ambush. He's right there with me. It's not like he's leaving me alone. Hey, go do this. Here's your marching orders. Let myself be with you somehow. No, he's there. Be weird for God to say God be with you. Yeah, But he's there. If you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, bring them every week, even if you got them electronically, and I'll know if you're cheating and playing a game. <laughs> I really won't. That was a lie. <laughs> and we're going to look at John 21. John 21, verse 1. I'm going to start there, and I'm going to read this to you. I want you to listen, and if you want to read along, please read along. We love the character of Peter, most of us. Who loves Peter. Okay, why do we love Peter? Someone tell me, why do we love Peter? Because he's a what? A mess. Okay, he was the only one brave enough to get out of the boat. That's it? And like 40 hands raised. What? He's got a big mouth. And he puts his foot in it a lot, doesn't he? Here's a guy who acknowledges Jesus as the Messiah, says as much, right? And he loves Jesus, does he not? Ah, yeah! You're like, woo, this guy loves Jesus, and he's an idiot. It gives me hope. Oh, man, I love Jesus, but man, dude, whew, everything is out of my pay grade. And that's how we look at it, because Peter has the most epic breakthroughs and the most epic boneheaded moves. And what we're going to see here is what happens to Peter and what his decisions look like after Jesus dies. And we'll see here that Jesus starts revealing himself to other disciples, but Peter hasn't seen him yet. And here we go. Pay attention. Peter has walked with Jesus. Yes or no? He has seen Jesus do crazy things. Yes or no? He has spent time with him. He has laughed with him. We don't get to read that, but... I'm sure Jesus has the best sense of humor you can possibly imagine. 
That's where we get good humor from. Where do you think it's from? But we don't really get to hear about that. But I bet you Peter experienced all the different layers in some way, maybe not to their fullest, but in some way. And you're just going, man, and here's what happens. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, where he met them in the first place. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. This is what Peter says. Listen to this. I'm going out to fish. Okay. It's right after Jesus died. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught what? Nothing. Zilch. Zero. It's a beautiful book in here. Okay. When they were first called. Now, here's the deal. If you're Peter and you just denied Jesus three times after saying that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, how do you feel? And he's died a terrible death. We don't have words for that kind of shame and pain, do we? I can go, well, I would feel ashamed and guilty. Well, there's different levels and layers of that. So when he says, and this is me projecting here, so I'm saying that out loud. But when he says, I'm going to go fish, I doubt he's going, hey guys, I'm going to go fish. Let's go fish. No. I'm going to go fish. Here's a guy that encountered the gospel in its fullest. Emmanuel, God with us. And he betrayed him. What does he do with that? He goes back to what he knows. Because at least there's no surprises. Either catch fish or you don't. There's a storm or there's not. He knows the landscape. He knows where he is and what to do and how to do it. It's a known zone for him. But he encountered the living God in a mess with him. And he doesn't know what to do now. So he goes back to what he knows. It disappointed him. Wait a minute. This is the Messiah. This is the king. The good news, according to him, has now disappointed him. It's let him down in some way, even though he let Jesus down. It's still this whole thing. What do I do? And he goes back and he goes fishing. Well, the great thing about this is that soon, soon as John, who wrote the book of John, sees Jesus, he goes, there's the Lord. And Jesus was asking him if they caught any fish. And as soon as Peter heard that, boom, he's out of the boat. He jumped out. He swam up. And Jesus already had fish going on. You know, and they catch all these fish and it's great. And then we see this beautiful scene where Jesus reinstates Peter, and he doesn't say, hey, Peter, do you know that I love you? He says, Peter, do you love me? Because it was about Peter, not about Jesus' affection towards Peter, because he's made that clear on the cross. That's settled. Mark made that point last week. It was a great point, is that God's love for us was settled in that moment. And so Peter, it's hard to hear him ask three times, do you love me? Yes, I do. Do you love me? Yeah, I do. Do you love me? Oh my gosh, yes, I do. But it was for him. 
And so God redeemed that. And so that whole process of disappointment, the thing I love about Peter is that he didn't shy away from the encounter. If it were me and Jesus standing there, man, dude, I'm standing in the boat because I'm ashamed. How many may have stayed in the boat? Okay. Some are going, no, I wouldn't stay in the boat. Well, because you have this perspective. But if you're in it, maybe, maybe you would have stayed in the boat. But he didn't. He went after him. He followed through with the process of being where Jesus was. Do you think, do you think it was a great picnic of a time? No, but he didn't. He may have gone fishing, but Jesus got his attention and he learned from that. And now, boom, he has an encounter and he stays there. Here's the deal, folks. People will disappoint you. I am pretty sure I will disappoint you at some time. And some will leave. But I pray to God the truth will go with you. Don't put it on the altar because someone disappoints you. Because there won't be life on the other side of that decision. It hurts when people want to leave and people don't agree with you. And Who likes that? What hurts more is when they recognize truth and they abandon it because it disappointed them. How do we navigate the world around us if we leave when we're disappointed or hurt? Can we? How do people see the deep relational reality of Jesus if we abandon the truth for our own truth so that we can all in the spirit of self-preservation? Life will not happen. Not the way it's supposed to. Not the way it should. Not the way that God wants it to. Romans is a weighty book. I mean, it's heavy. I mean, look at We've been spent over a month in the first verse. The first verse. Wait till we get some of the famous stuff. Good grief. And you hear all this stuff about the Holy Spirit and salvation and great. Oh, it's wonderful. Not without Jesus. Not without being carriers of the good news, the reality that we are with him, he is with us. It it will not look the way it's supposed to look if we are not yoking ourselves to him, entering those places. If we abandon the truth for something else that kind of looks like truth so we can feel better about our circumstances, We are not going to walk in the power and the authority and the love of Jesus Christ the way we are meant to. The church is supposed to have a voice. You know what that voice is? It ain't yours. It's his. And the only way we hear his voice and operate out of that voice is being where he is. I'm going to say it every week, folks. Every week. And there might be some day we go, well... The people at Bridgewood, all they talk about is being with Jesus. I think I'm going to look for something else. Well, you lost. If we're looking for something else other than Jesus, outside of Jesus, we're going to lose that fight. It's one of the few things in life I think I've gotten right. It's hard for me to say. But being with Jesus is the best. 
I can say it plainly, because that's how Jesus said it to Mary. She's chosen what's best. Being right where I am. I, um, I feel the temptation all the time to compromise the gospel the way I know it to be, because it costs so much. See, it sounds simple, be with Jesus. Hey, that's simple. There's got to be more to oh. Have you tried it? <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? And it's not because he's hard. It's because the world around us is hard. And we're looking at him with, with natural tools, with created tools. And he brought, he, he's ushered in the Holy Spirit so that we can now see him through uncreated eyes, the way we're meant to. And I feel all the time, I'm like, Every time I was, you know, it's been, since I've been here, it's been three years, and I knew we were supposed to do this series before I even stepped into this position, and we waited three years because, one, I was terrified of it because of what it would cost. It costs a lot to go outside of the realm of what we know church to be. I could easily, when it gets hard, and I think about this, I think about abandoning the truth and going, you know what, let's be heavy, not that these are bad things, but when this drives your theology and who you are, this, it can be wonky. Let's just do all programs, plug people in. They're all good. Okay, praise God. I don't have to worry about that too much. I will uh, find someone's sermon series online. I'll preach from that. It's safe. It's known. Okay. No, we would not be honoring the true gospel of God if that was our intention. We'd miss everything. We miss everything. You want, you want to live in that encounter that you first had with him? Well, you can't go back to that. It gets better. Better. If, you're, if our measuring system is just our first encounter, we're going to miss the blessing because it gets better and better because there's always more for us to receive. We got to give ourselves room for that. But if I keep going back to my hurts and my pains that keep me from this, we process them, of course. But let us process them with Jesus. Sometimes when we get hurt, we kick him out. I'm going to take over, Jesus, and I'll do these things in your name, but I'm, I'm going to take over. And that doesn't go well, does it? It doesn't go well at all. He's got to be the center of everything. Peter knows that. You know, one of the most beautiful things with Peter is, I mean, this is a beautiful moment, that's a beautiful moment, but Acts chapter 3, to me, is my favorite Peter moment. I mean, you can look at Pentecost and all the things that he did, you know, the Lord used for, this is great. But when he, and I heard someone say, you know, he had the courage to get off the boat, and, and he did, and he meets Jesus on the water, and he sinks, and he sinks because he took his eyes off Jesus. Did you notice that? He started being aware of what? And what happens when he took his eyes off Jesus? He sunk. Acts chapter 3. He and John are going to the gate called Beautiful, and there's that crippled man. And you know what he says to him? I don't have silver and gold because the guy was asking for money, but what I do have, I give to you. And he said, look at me, because I am looking at you. Peter knew, I ain't taking my eyes off Jesus. I've used ain't a lot in the sermon, so I do know proper English, but it just flows better. Just totally ruined the moment there. But he looks at him. I don't have these things, but I have this. 
And I have learned my lesson. I'm not taking my eyes off the one that I need to be with all the time because when I do, I sink. The church has been sinking. The church as we know it, not God's church. He doesn't lose control of his own body. But we have chosen to abandon the truth that there is something beautiful about being with Jesus, but it's hard. And if we get away from the challenge of that, we're going to miss everything. We're going to miss it, folks. We're going to miss it. I don't want to miss Jesus. And look, we're going to stumble and we're going to fall, but if we are ruthlessly going after him, if we are ruthlessly, ruthlessly going after being where he is, understand his grace and his patience as we learn. There aren't many things I'm sure about in life, but I am sure about him. I am. And I'm sure that being where he is is the best place. Because without that, folks, we're sunk, and we've seen it throughout history over and over. So people go, man, the times we're in. The times, everyone says that when they're in their own times. Because sin is in the world. But Jesus has power over this world, over all things. And we walk in that. So if we're on that fence, I'm going to say to you as I watch a horror movie, don't do it. Don't do it. Because we'll miss life. Amen? Okay. Well, we're going to enter a time of uh, offering, tithes and offerings in communion. What a blessing to have a relational mandate to take communion to remember. Because sometimes we need to remember because we've walked a little bit that way. And so if that's you, this is not guilt or shame. We're all in that boat. We've all gone, I mean, I've walked my spiritual life like I'm Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, it just, you're just kind of going like this through life sometimes. But let's, let's do that together. When you come to the table, be thankful that God does that walk with us. And when we let him, he, he, he pulls us in. Whoop! And sometimes it feels like he's a little drunk. I'm just helping him. You've seen those happen, right? God bless those people that help us walk straight and lift us up. Because that's what Jesus does. And when we come to that table, it signifies that we never have to walk without him. Ever. We don't have to suffer the things we're suffering without his presence leading us through. We don't have to experience great joy without him. He is the joy giver. Every avenue of your life, he is there. And we want to take advantage of that. Man, you all walked in with a lot of stuff. We all did. I did myself included. What do we want to walk out with? What do we want to leave this relational encounter with? And I hope... My prayer is that it's a greater urgency, an obsession (laughs) to be with him. Because Peter finally got it. And we look at all the things that God did in Peter and we're like, oh, it's amazing. But ultimately, I think he'd be saying a very similar thing. 
Without Jesus, no one hears of Peter. Without Jesus, no one hears of Paul. No one hears of Moses, an Adam and an Eve. No one. Not without the Lord. And we're going to do this together. Amen? We're going to do it together. Sometimes it won't be fun, but we thank you, Lord, that you're with us. God, we thank you for your goodness and your presence 24-7. We thank you that you're here. If there are any of us who are hurting, which I know there are, would you give them the courage and the boldness to say, Lord, have your way with my hurts and my pains, my wounds. And that takes time, we know. We know that can take time, but we want to take that first step into those places and learn to walk with you through those. And we thank you that you send people our way to walk with us, to model your name, who you are. We ask you to continue to do that. Would you continue to bless your church? That we would allow you to be the voice, you to be the head. And we go where you go. I pray that we would fight the temptation to sever the head from the body. Because we may not like where you're leading us. We don't have to like it. We, we want to be faithful. And watch what happens when we stay with you. Lord, we pray a blessing over our tithes and our offerings. Man, bless them, Lord. It is such a joy to give. And so may your glory be seen. May your kingdom expand through our tithes and our offerings and our resources, whatever they may be, financial, relational, time. But uh, we freely give. And I pray a blessing over our time of communion as well. We come to the table thankful, thankful for who you are. And that you take us You'll take us even deeper and beyond our first encounter with you, which is life-changing, but there's more for us to experience your presence, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Sing praises to your name. Praises to your name. The name that's so much higher than all names. All
Sing praises to your 